Welcome to the GSD Factor Podcast Season 2 with your host, Misha Blamar farish Welcome to the GSD Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Misha Blamire farish and I am honored to have Christine French here with us today. Hi, Christine. Hey, Misha. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining. Um, so today, Christine and I are going to have a real talk of moms. Um, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to hear Christine's story about her journey to motherhood and um, hear her beautiful story. And we hope that this will provide hope and inspiration to those that may be walking through their own journey. But really what it comes down to is Christine's story is just full of being resilient, which is that stamina, grit, and perseverance to acknowledge that life can be shit sometimes, but we do what we can to learn and grow and turn those negatives into positives. And what I love is that through uh, Christine's journey of being resilient, she has also been exercising her muscle of being present, which is continuing to show up even if for a moment, um, really exercising that art of starting to do something, anything, and really trusting that process, even when it seems that there are more pivots than plans. And we really live with that attitude of progress and not perfection. And so today, Christine's story of becoming a mom um, is really around our, our GSD factor attributes of be resilient and being present. So before we start, though, and really dive into this, Christine, just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I am a a corporate finance professional. I am actually in the middle of switching jobs as we're recording this podcast, which is really exciting and plays right into that resilience and and being present and kind of just, you know, getting shit done. I am looking for something that's going to help me have a little bit more time with my daughter and just kind of realign those priorities um, as I'm really just kind of growing into you know, what it looks like to be a mom and to be a working professional and kind of see where I can go with my career. That is amazing. And I love to call it work-life family integration. What do you think of that? That's a good one. Yes. I've never heard that, but that's perfect. (laughs) You know, I think as working parents, we are always exploring and seeing how can we juggle things? How can we, you know, and there's different levers in different seasons in our life, right? Obviously you have a young daughter. Uh, My tiny humans are four and eight now. And so with every, with every passing year, it changes. But I think what's great is, you know, you have, you have a great support system and and you are saying, you know what, I'm here for this and I'm resilient and I'm going to be, and I am going to be able to do it all. Yes, absolutely. So, Christine, let's go back a little bit and just let's uh, share with us and our listeners today a little bit about your story and your journey to motherhood, because I think so many, so many of us, myself included, have been on this journey to motherhood and it can be a painful and raw and vulnerable conversation to have. But you know, we really want to share with our listeners that even, you know, even though we have, you know, these amazing, beautiful lives, and we have these careers, you know, life is shit sometimes. And, you know, we may be mom, you know, we may be moms today, but you know, it wasn't always the case. And so we want to share those real stories. And if you can, you know, start and share, start sharing your story with us today, that would be great. Yeah. Well, uh, first, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this story. As I've kind of 
processed a lot of, you know, my journey, it's been really important to me to be able to be open about this and share this because going through it is horrible, but feeling like you're going through it alone is even worse. So I just really appreciate the opportunity to kind of share this with a wider audience than just, you know, my personal Instagram followers. Well, listen, and thank you for, you know, thank you for leaning into this conversation and being willing to share and, you know, congratulations and kudos for really processing it, right? It is definitely something, uh, and I think mental health is so important, especially for new parents. And, and I think that the fact that you acknowledge the fact that you have done, you have done that processing and really sat with it and been present with it is really important. And now you're on the other side and ready to share your story. So I just, I hope you take a pause and um, really celebrate the fact that you've given that to yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I will start by saying I am a type A planner who thought that I could plan out my journey to motherhood. The joke's on me. That does work for some people. I don't think that works for most people. So the very beginning of my story, back probably in the summer of 2019, I felt that I was at a good place with my career, with my husband's career, you know, financially. Wanted to start having that conversation about like, let's start a family, let's have a baby. And my husband was like, ooh, a little scared. Have some things I kind of want to do before we you know, get that started. So we said, okay, we are going to plan a trip out to Yosemite in May of 2020. We're going to do this together. And then we're going to try to have a baby. And everyone knows what happened in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And our trip got canceled and everything got thrown into a little bit of chaos of like, do we still continue with this plan? Do we put it off? Do we try to take a trip? What's happening here? You really had to pause and pivot and rewatch, didn't you? It was very difficult and very scary too, you know, early Mm -hmm. 2020, like we didn't know what was going on. And so we did kind of put it on pause for a few months. And then by probably around July of 2020, you know, it was just really heavy on my heart that I didn't want to put something like this off for an indefinite amount of time. And so we talked about it and we decided to don't know if it's so much trying as much as maybe not preventing, but we did end up getting pregnant and found out about it at the very beginning of October. It was only three months and we were like, wow, that's actually pretty quick. You hear about people taking six months, a year, you know, even longer, you never really know. And it was amazing. Like I just still remember the feeling of seeing that positive on a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And it was just like joy and terror. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. This is happening. Yeah. Um, it was wild. And, you know, it it was really exciting. I bought some cute ways to tell my parents that we were pregnant. And I ended up telling them the weekend before we were supposed to have our first ultrasound that was going to be around eight weeks um, okay. on that Saturday. We told them. And my brother did not process. He was just like, I don't know what's happening. And my mom's like, she's pregnant. And he was like, what? It was great. I wish I had that moment on camera. It was amazing. Um, Unfortunately, two days later, we went into our appointment and we were kind of doing a little ultrasound. And the doctor was like, I'm having a hard time finding anything. Maybe it's a little bit earlier than you think it is. And she sent me up for a more formal, like higher tech ultrasound where they could see more and came back and said, well, 
we really don't think that we found a heartbeat. There's something, but we don't know it could be yours. The baby is measuring a lot smaller than what you expected based on your dates. So it's just, mm. it's not really looking good, but they wanted to do their due diligence and give it two more weeks and have me come back for a follow-up just to kind of, you know, truly assess. And, sure. you know, I did appreciate my doctor was trying to be realistic, but also a little bit optimistic, but I just knew, like, yes. I, I, knew, I knew my timing. I had been tracking things like the dates, the, the size that they said that they were seeing measured, like it just didn't add up. And I just kind of knew in my heart, leaving that appointment, like that it was done. Sure. And it was the worst two weeks to have to sit there and just kind of know in your heart that that baby mm-hmm. is not alive and growing, but you have to give it that time for the medical professionals to let you move on to that next step. So that was, that was so difficult. Um, you know, and at this point we're starting to come up on getting close to the holidays. And so I went back in for that two week follow-up and I don't know, I guess they don't make good notes. The ultrasound tech was like, Oh, your baby is 10 weeks. You should definitely be able to see this, you know, see something on this ultrasound. And I'm here like, Girl, you don't even know. Like, I don't think I'm here for good reasons. And let's not be optimistic about this. Um, Right. And, you know, it, as we know, the story goes, it, it was not good news. It had not grown. I did end up opting to get the surgical DNC procedure just because I felt that my body had been holding on to this for so many weeks um, without growth. And I knew we were planning to go see the in-laws for Thanksgiving. And I just didn't want something to happen away from the comfort of my home. Yes. And I just kind of wanted that closure and yes. to be able to start moving forward and processing like this happened and this is done. So I was able to have the procedure the next day. You know, it went really smoothly. I really didn't have a lot of issues recovering physically, which was nice. I, for the first time, started doing some virtual therapy after that because I would kind of go through thinking like I'm okay. And then I would just would not be okay. Sure. Um, and, you know, that's kind of made me a really big advocate of, of therapy, you know, whether you're doing that on a regular basis or just through something that's especially difficult. Yes. Um, the therapist was able to kind of give me things to talk about with my husband that I wouldn't think to bring up on my own. And even if I didn't necessarily like the answers to those conversations, those conversations needed to happen for us to move forward and figure out where we were and what we wanted to do next and how we and were I, processing it differently. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think so many times on these journeys, you know, the, the hyper focus, you know, as it should be is on the mom and the baby. And I think a lot of times, you know, the spouses, our partners get left out and, Um, and I think it's really, you know, they don't, you know, they don't understand what we're going through in that moment Mm -hmm. and to be equipped and armed, you know, with those conversations and those topics to be able to say, listen, I, you know, I need to verbalize this. I need to get this off my chest, but you are going, you have to sit in those feelings and that grief, but they do as well, right? Because they mm-hmm. have lost, they've lost a child as much, you know, again, as much as you have as well. Um, and they don't have those physical changes, that physical loss, but it, there is still that emotional loss and mental loss, right? Um, and so I'm mm-hmm. so glad that 
I just, again, want to pause and just give you and your husband kudos, right, for having those conversations, leaning into it, including each other in those conversations. And I think mental mental health, especially in these moments of life, are so important because if nothing else, it allows us to get process in a safe place. But what it also mm-hmm. does is it allows us to it allows us to be present in that moment, but then to, to get it out and then be able to grow and, and move past it, right? Because I think what happens is if we bottle it up, it, we, we're, we're, it, it's going sti- to stunt our growth. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that that's what is so important um, in these situations. Yeah. And I'll just kind of expound off of that kind of comment about bottling things up. Um, you know, I do know different people process things differently. I am mm. a talker. I am a feeler. And for me, being open about it and not kind of stuffing it down is what helped me be able to keep moving forward. I think I would have had a much more difficult time if I kind of tried to keep it to myself. Um, yeah. There's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of shame about this situation. And if you don't have a good support circle to have that safe space to talk about what you're feeling and process it, it, it makes it much harder for sure. Um, I was very fortunate that I have amazing friends and family who were there for me and willing for me to talk about whatever. So them, along with the therapy, along with trying to talk to my husband, along with, you know, maybe posting things here and there on my story, just even people who are more acquaintances kind of seeing like, oh, wow, she went through that. If like, this is horrible. If anyone else is experiencing experiencing this and needs someone to talk to, like I want them to have in the back of their mind, like, hey, I know Christine went through this. I think she would be a safe space for me to be able to talk about these feelings. And, you know, yes. and even something that small, I think is just amazing. Absolutely. And thank you, Christine, for, um, you know, being confident to be able to say, listen, I went through this journey. I am on the other side of this journey, but I want to be there as a resource and a friend um, and just to listen, right? Because I think you you nailed it on the head. Unfortunately, there's just, there is such shame when we experience things like this and there shouldn't be. And, but there is. And so how do we navigate that? And how do we navigate that from a healthy place and, and working, working through those feelings. And, you know, and, and it's, it's like a grief, you know, it, there is a, it's a grief and loss cycle, which it is, it mm-hmm. is very cyclical and it's going to, it, you know, you're going to think, Oh, I, Oh, I've re- Oh, I've recovered from this. Okay. Uh, you know, and then, and then you hit a good period and then there, you're going to hit another, a little bit of a rough patch, but um, it does continue to ease up, but being present in those moments and saying, okay, I'm having a hard day today with this. So I'm going to, I'm going to sit, I'm going to love my, I'm going to love on myself. I'm going to hug myself. I'm going to um, share with those around me. Like today's a, today's going to be a, uh, the hard day. And if you do sit in it with that, for that moment, you will be able to move, move forward. So thank you for, you know, again, sharing your story. Cause I think I, my hope and desire is that it's hope. It's a hope filled story for those that are maybe going through this. Can I take the opportunity to share an analogy that was really helpful for me that you reminded me of by talking about kind of like the grief cycle? Yes, absolutely. A friend sent me this and it compared grief to a ball in a box. And at the beginning, that ball 
in the box is huge. It takes up the entire mm-hmm. box. It is pressing on that grief button and it hurts immensely and frequently. Mm-hmm. But over time, that ball shrinks and it doesn't take up as much space in the box. And it's kind of bouncing around the box and you'll have good days. But every now and again, it does kind of hit that pain point And those feelings can come up again, even just as strong and kind of can hit you out of nowhere where you think like, man, I've been fine for several days or several weeks or several months, but something just triggers it. And so I thought that was a really interesting mental picture of just how time does kind of help heal. But yes, you know, when something kind of triggers that it can hurt just as much. And so don't feel like there's something wrong with you that like I should be fine by now, you know? So I thought that I love that. No, thank you. I'm listen, I'm all about pictures and, you know, pictures are worth a thousand words. And uh, I love, you know, I love telling stories um, because I think that that's how people can remember, right? They may not, they may or may not remember your name, but they're probably going to remember your story. And so I love that analogy. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about, you know, let's fast forward and talk about what did it, how was it for you and your husband, if you guys, you know, as you found out you were pregnant again, and what were some of those feelings or anxieties that you Mm -hmm. felt, um, you know, that as you, as you were on your second part of your journey? Yeah. So one big thing that stands out to me, and it did make me a little sad, but I knew why it was like this is so when I found out I was pregnant again, at the beginning of 2022, I was shocked and excited. And I immediately told my husband. And then we didn't really talk about it a lot for Mm. weeks. Like it was no, obviously known I was pregnant. I didn't feel great, but we didn't really talk about things the way that we did the first time. We didn't talk about names. We didn't plan things really. I think we were just both so scared that it wasn't going to work out again, that we, we didn't really want to get invested. You didn't want to get your hopes up. But the thing that's strange about that is, so we didn't talk about it a lot, but on the flip side, I told my parents and several close friends, like as soon as I found out, because Mm. for me personally, I was like, I don't know if this is going to last and I want to be excited and celebrate this baby for as long as I'm able to. And I don't want to love that the eight weeks, the 12 weeks, the whatever guidance that people give to when it's quote unquote safe, you know, like what if I don't make it there again? And I didn't post it on social media or anything, but a a few close friends who knew my story. Yeah. I wanted to be excited and their excitement and optimism helped me when I was having a hard time kind of getting into some negative thoughts Sure. Um, it carried you through. Yep. So, you know, we, we had our first ultrasound and the, at seven weeks and then seeing a heartbeat was like, all right, we've already gotten further than we got before. Like we've never <laughs> seen a heartbeat. Like I had nothing from the first time. Sure. Um, that was really exciting. We did do some of like the early blood work genetic testing because we really wanted to know if we we're having a girl or boy, like as early as possible, because that was another thing I felt was taken from me with the early losses. I don't have any ultrasound pictures. I don't know if it was a girl or a boy. All I ever had was those two pink lines on a pregnancy test, you know? Yeah. And so with this pregnancy, I wanted to know everything I could as soon as I could, you know, for yes. better or worse, I wanted that knowledge. And so you wanted to celebrate that and be present absolutely. with that for as long as you had it. Exactly. So we found out we were having a girl and we were ecstatic. We both really wanted a girl. Uh, 
the debate on her name really didn't go very far because we had a name we had loved from years and years back. And I tried to do my due diligence of let's explore names. And we didn't really. We, we <laughs> kept that same name that we had picked like seven years ago. Oh, um, I love that. But it did take me quite a while longer to feel as connected with her. And mm-hmm. um, that was difficult because I remember like the instant I found out about the first baby, I was like, oh my gosh, it's my baby. You know, I was yes. like, why can't I... You know, you just can't, you can't go back and be naive once you've had a right. loss. You just can't. And so I really did try to give myself a lot of grace of like, it's okay that this is harder. Like that doesn't mean you don't love your baby. Like you yes. will get there. It's just different. Um, I did some private ultrasounds to try to give myself some confidence because the doctors don't give you a lot. Um, right. And that did help some. And another thing that came up for me that I really struggled with when we went through our loss, I did have a lot of other friends around that time that were pregnant or having babies. And I had a lot of very negative feelings. Like, why do they get to have this? And I don't. Mm. And I tried really hard to not be resentful. And I had conversations with my husband where he's like, that is not their fault. Like you should be able to be happy for them. You know, just because you don't have that right now, doesn't mean that they shouldn't, you know, and logically that makes sense, but I just had a really hard time. And once I got past my hump with the pregnancy with my daughter to where I was feeling connected with her and confident in the pregnancy. Yeah. I kind of was a little bit disappointed with myself that I did struggle so much and I wish I could have gone back to be happier. Like I want people to be happy for me and what I'm going through right now. Why couldn't I be happy for them? And that was really difficult kind of feeling for me to wrestle with and try to say like, you know, what's done is done. I did the best that I could. You did the best that you could. Yes. And you did the best that you could with what you knew and with the experience that you had. But here's what, you know, here's what I want to encourage you with is that, you know, you have, you know, you, I believe we learn something from everything, right. And it's either we're learning what to do or we're learning what not to do. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, extend yourself grace of in that, you know, back in that earlier Christine, right. You didn't know what you didn't know. And it's okay that you felt those feelings. And in the future, Christine, you, you look back and said, Oh, I wish I I had done that a little differently. But guess what, Mm -hmm. when you if you ever come back to that lesson again, or come back to that situation again, you will have you will have taken both those lessons learned with you. And so you extend yourself that grace and that forgiveness, right to say, listen, I don't like how I acted there. But um, now that I've learned, um, I I want to take that lesson with me and carry it forward. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Oh, well, I just, you know, so many great nuggets in there that you shared um, that I think is so important. And I think it's, again, I think these are the untold stories. These are the stories and the feelings and the experiences that, you know, hopefully, you know, more and more are starting to share. But I still think that there's a lot of those um, stories that are not told. And I, and what, what I've heard from you today and that I love, and I hope that our listeners have really appreciated it as well is, you know, there are, you're going to, these feelings are going to ebb and flow. Right. And I love your analogy of the, of the, you know, the ball inside the box. Um, and I think, but too, I think what happens and I don't hear this a lot, but it's, you're absolutely right is, 
when you do get pregnant the next time, there is that there is that hesitancy um, to be connected because you don't want to be hurt again and you don't want to feel that loss. But you felt what you did is you pushed through it, right? You persevered mm-hmm. and said, I really want to still enjoy the time that I have, you know, because I don't know how much time I'm going to have. And, you know, I think that throughout your story, it's just a story of hope. It's a story of lessons learned. And I think it's a lot of the untold lessons. So if you were, you know, if now that you're on the other side of this, looking back, and and this is going to be specifically prescriptive to our listeners today, what is that one thing that you would want to share with someone that may have just experienced their first loss? Hmm, That's a really good question. Oh, Um, as a feeler, I would say it is totally okay to feel your feelings. However, you're feeling is valid. That can be sadness. That can be grief. That can be anger. Like there are a wide range of feelings that come with going through a situation like that. And I think that you need to allow yourself the grace and the space to feel whatever you feel. Time does make it easier, but in the moment that doesn't really mean much. Like, yes, it's, you can know that with with your logic and your brain, but that doesn't help how you're feeling. But as someone on the other side, know that like that time does make it easier. And, you know, I know there are people that go through multiple losses and not everyone kind of has that one and then they get their baby the next time, you know? Right. Um, for me, that's how it did play out. And she's incredible. Being a mom is incredible. It's the hardest thing that I have ever done. But I think that going through what I went through, even though it sucked, made me a better person, a better friend, more understanding of different things that other women can go through. I don't like that I went through that, but I like who I am now. And I like, you know, like we talked about the resilience and the growth that has resulted from that situation. I, I like me now better than I liked me two years ago. Yes. Um, and you're, and, that and you're, story, you, what I went through is a big part of that. Yes. And I think that you, what you're talking about is empathy, right? Like you've experienced yeah. that and said, I, you know, I now have gained this empathy uh, for, for individuals that go through this and, and it's not just for women, right? Like you've experienced, yeah. you know, like you will be able to be an, an empathetic leader and friend, even for those spouses that are dealing with this, right? And I think that that is so important. And as you are in the workspace and in the workplace, you know, because you have been on that journey, now the people that you interact with, your colleagues, your direct reports, you know, people that are going through that understand that. And I think that that's, there's, you know, there's leaders today that say, oh, you got to leave personal at the door. There's leaders today that say, nope, you got to bring it in because it makes you the whole person. Um, and, but let's only bring in the positives. Then there's leaders that say, bring it all in. I'm here for it all because we're human. And this is what makes, this is what brings us to the fullness of life. And I think that that to your point of that you like yourself more than you were two years ago, also is going to make you a really impactful, empathetic leader, um, in your, you know, in your space and in your career. And I think that that's really important, especially, you know, in this, you know, Women's History Month and really elevating the voices of women, elevating the stories of moms, elevating those and saying, yes, we can have it all right. We can be working moms. We can be 
you know, working with, with careers, with successful careers, with our platforms, with our and amplifying our voices and encouraging and empowering one another. And I think, you know, now that you have, you have taken your stories and your lessons and brought them alongside you, along with you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun and uh, really great to be able to, you know, share that story out there. Wonderful. So Christine, what is the, if someone wanted to reach out to you, what is the easiest way for them to connect with you? Is it on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is good. Um, I am pretty active on Instagram and right now my profile is private. Um, but if there's anyone that wants to connect and send me kind of a a message, letting me know, like, Hey, you listen to the GSD factor podcast. And that's how you kind of like got my information. Um, I definitely, you know, can add you on there. So don't feel like it being private is a barrier. If you know, you feel like you want to reach out. That's awesome. So we will provide that in our show notes to everyone. And also wherever, where we are posting this, both in Instagram and LinkedIn, we'll be sure to tag Christine. But for those of you, we hope that you have heard the story of hope here. We hope that you've heard, you know, those attributes of confidence and being present. But most importantly, the story of being resilient and in this Women's History Month, you know, it is so important for us to, you know, understand that and be present with that. And I'll leave you all with this quote today. You know, I think it was very, it was very fun in telling that my, uh, my oldest, we were working on a school project, and it was Amelia Earhart. And the quote that she chose to use was, use your fear, it can take you to the place where you store your courage. And I think that that really sums up so nicely the conversation today, because, you know, in those moments of fear, you know, Christine, uh, you could have decided to just walk away from it, right? But instead, you said, I'm going to be resilient, I'm going to be present, I'm going to dig deep, and I'm going to find those places of courage, and we're going to try again. And, um, and now, you know, you are on the other side of this beautiful journey with a beautiful family. And so, you know, thank you for, thank you for sharing your story with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. GSC Factor podcast listeners. Thank you so much for your time today. As always, be sure to subscribe and listen and share with your friends and don't forget to get shit done. Thanks for listening to the GSD Factor podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform where you can also find previous episodes. Let's also connect on LinkedIn and Instagram. If you're looking for more information on the GSD Factor, visit us at gsdfactor.com. And always remember to GSD, get shit done.